My new book is out, How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital. It hit the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list, and I just wanted to say thank you. I hope you get it at capitalistbook.com. Here's what user Jay Eggleston said in an Amazon review. Warning, this book is addicting, is Nathan the new Tim Ferriss. He said, I met Nathan during my college days when he was still CEO of Hale. I knew he was inspiration since the day I met him. The book is totally a Nathan Latka original, and this is the new four-hour work week. Warning, though, it is addicting. I'm not sure how long I've been reading it now, and the only thing that is making me from put it down is the dreaded workday tomorrow. Six people found that helpful. Get the book today at capitalistbook.com. Founded Go Consensus in 2014. They've just passed about 280 grand per month in revenue, flat year over year as they transition from SMB customers to more enterprise. And again, these are sales reps using their tool to give more effective sales presentations and sales demonstrations. ADP, a big account. They've raised 7 million bucks in equity financing, about 5 million or another call it million in revenue-based financing, plus another equity, on, a little bit of equity on top of that. 200 customers right now paying on average 17 grand per year, willing to spend up to 14,500 bucks to acquire that customer. So healthy metrics in terms of payback period, less than 12 months. In terms of churn, as they go through the transition, you know, 28% gross revenue churn annually. They expand by about 10% on that same cohort. So net, net, about 82% net revenue retention each year. Team of 30 people based between Utah and other remote locations. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when they started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Garen Hess. He's a serial entrepreneur who's founded multiple software companies, industry conferences, and a nonprofit organization. He's currently the founder and CEO of Consensus, a B2B demo automation platform. He enjoys reading history, mountain biking, choir conducting, and spending time with his wife and three kids. Garen, are you ready to take us to the top? We're ready to go. All right. Real quick, what were the name? What were the names of some of the past companies that you founded? So my last tech startup was rapid intake, but I actually started going to an entrepreneurship lecture series when I was in college and it just lit the fire. And even though I didn't have any idea what I was doing, I just went out and started doing whatever I thought was interesting. And to show you how ridiculously dumb that was in some sense, I, at one point I had five companies going at one time. I didn't even realize the principle of focus, <laughs> but it gave me a lot of experience. Most of those didn't do well, but I cut my teeth on them. So the alternative to that is, you know, bridge engineers would never have a single point of failure in the case of high winds. So why in entrepreneurship would you want to only focus on one thing? The last thing you want is a single point of failure. Well, I think it was Andrew Carnegie that said that you ought to put all your eggs in one basket, but watch that one basket. And I suppose that there are two approaches you could take to that, but it's also just concentration of force, right? If you think of it from a war mentality, if you spread out your force across too many points, you're going to go, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep rather than penetrate into the market. Yeah. I would say pulling from Sun Tzu art of war, there's also a lot of value to distracting with one thing on the left side and then attacking with your full force on the right. Right. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> we could, I, I feel like it would be fun <laughs> to just, you know, uh, hypothetically debate this with you for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> All right. Tell us about, tell us about go consensus. So it sounds like it's kind of automated B2B demos. How's it work and what's your revenue model? Yeah. So consensus is software as a service that accelerates B2B sales through automated video demos. And the way that it works is the platform, the, the salesperson or sales engineer will send out a customized link to a prospect. That prospect will then uh, answer some questions. Uh, might be some questions about role or industry, company size, and then it'll route them to a demo that's unique to that persona, but then ask more questions about what's driving their interest. So what's very important to them, what's somewhat, what's not important. And what we're trying to do is automate part of the normal discovery that a salesperson does because a good salesperson is going to ask some questions, tailor the pitch and the presentation, the messaging to that unique person's interests, and then also try to discover other stakeholders. And so as the uh, as the viewer, the prospect goes through the demo, it grabs video clips and documents based on the responses to all these questions, organizes them in a way so there's this perfectly tailored um, demo for them. And then as they share the demo with other people, um, and this is one of the primary goals, is to discover and engage other stakeholders in the buying group. As they share that demo with others, the demo will, again, personalize automatically to each stakeholder in the buying group. And then under the behind the scenes or under the hood, we're, we're tracking all that that's going on and we actually bring, bring back analytics, what we call demo analytics, back to the salesperson and this allows them to see not only what's happening with the individual prospect, but how what that one prospect is doing compares to what all the other stakeholders are, are doing. So you get the sense of alignment or misalignment. Yep. Got it. And then give us get real quick before we move on past that price point on average. What's the average customer paying you per month for this? So average customer, average deal size is about $17,000 a year. Okay. So, so you're selling into like an organization. Or, I mean, are the, what drives up kind of revenue? Is it number of seats or number of demos? Uh, number of seats. Okay. Yeah. So we typically get in uh, a lot of companies at about 25 seats um, and then they scale up from there. A lot of companies, because we're a brand new technology, uh, arguably a brand new category of software, need to see proof in the pudding before they're going to expand. And so they'll start out with a team of say 20 to 30 reps, see what happens and then expand from there. Um, Interesting. Uh, and are there any other pricing axes you use to drive up expansion besides number of seats? Um, if it's a marketing use case, uh, then there's a usage component. Um, but our main focus is on the sales side. Okay. Interesting. And uh, put this on a timeline for me. When did you launch the company? So we launched the company back in 2014 and, um, and, uh, well, technically in 2013, but got to market out in, uh, 2014. So that's kind of when it was launched out on the marketplace. 2014. And then fast forward to today, how many customers do you have on the platform? So we've got about 200 customers. Um, it's been an interesting journey because I thought this was going to be a small business play where we we're just going to charge, you know, I, I don't know what I, what I was thinking at the beginning, but, um, it's turned out that fairly quickly we started engaging companies that had large sales teams and they were getting good traction. We've recently really focused a lot more on the enterprise and that's where our, our primary focus is now. But as an example, ADP, when they first came on back in 2014, they, they started with 80 sales reps 
And they did the split test for 90 days where they had every rep, every other deal, they would use consensus as part of the sales conversation and sales process. And then they compared the deals after 90 days. And what they discovered was that they had a 44% increase in the close rate when they used consensus and, and automated demos and their sales cycle shortened at the same time. And so that's the kind of impact that we've seen in these larger companies because they can implement it across the board. They've got this emphasis in- But Garen, how, how, I'm curious, how little were they paying for those 80 seats? How little were they paying? Yeah. Well, I think at the time they were paying about 40 grand. Okay. And they've since expanded to over 100K. See, I always wonder, there's a, there is a real death gap in the early years of a company where people, you, you know, you either have to choose. You have to have a WhatsApp model where you have a billion users paying a dollar a year or like a Peter Thiel Palantir model where there's, you know, the, the customers, the U.S. government, and they pay you 100 million a year, but you only need three customers. A lot of people like get stuck in the middle. They don't ever pick a side. So I'm curious, have you like drastically increased pricing as time has gone on or a company like ADP, which sounds like they're getting loads of value from you, you know, directly tied to revenue and close rates, you know, still not paying you, in your opinion, you know, what the value is that you're delivering to them. I mean, we've experimented with lots of different pricing over the years, especially as we tried to balance small business with large business and all of that. And, and um, so ADP, we've locked into the pricing. We've, we haven't raised pricing on them because they've been with us for four years now. They keep expanding. And, um, and so we don't we don't see a reason to change that um, over time. Uh, we get the you know the the lifetime value of the customer really was what pays for it. Interesting. Um, okay, good. So uh, two hundred customers today. You just mentioned about seventeen thousand bucks, kind of ACV on average, which I think comes out to like fourteen hundred bucks a month. Can I do that math? You're doing about two hundred eighty grand a month right now. Uh, yeah, you're doing some good math there. Right around there. Okay. And what's growth rate? So about a year ago, where were you? So. Right now we're seeing pretty flat growth because we've been seeing a change in our focus. So we've been focusing mostly on uh, enterprise. And so we've seen a growth rate of about 50% annually in our enterprise. But um, overall we're, we've been pretty flat just because we've seen some proactive churn as we've churned out some of the customers that um, it doesn't really necessarily isn't the right fit for on the, on the smaller side. Not to say it can't be used for small business, but you have to put in a pretty significant effort at getting your content in there. And the larger companies tend to have the resources, whether it be uh, pre-sales sales engineers that are building content or sales enablement um, focused people um, that, that are able to go through the implementation phase more effectively, I think. And that's been a learning curve for us. One of my favorite things about building this podcast to well over 10 million downloads and being just super connected in the SaaS space is I get the opportunity to connect and meet you guys in person at conferences. And there's one you can't miss on September 10th and 11th in San Francisco, SaaS Stock West Coast. I'll be speaking, giving a keynote I've never given before. We'll get into data and details like you've never seen, plus 10 predictions I have about the SaaS space, including the next IPOs, the next mammoth rounds, the next big buyouts. You won't want to miss it. Additionally, there'll be other speakers like Dan Martell, who built and sold his company. CMO of SurveyMonkey, Lila will be there. Santi from Emergence Capital will be there. There'll be over 400 people, the biggest and brightest minds 
in B2B SaaS, investors, entrepreneurs, and founders. Be sure you get a ticket today before prices increase. Go to sasdoc.com forward slash West Coast. That's SaaS, S-A-A-S, stock, T-O-C-K.com forward slash West Coast. So just to be clear, about a year ago, maybe still doing about 280 grand a month then, but your customer kind of density has changed over the past 12 months. There's significantly more of your revenue made up from kind of a lesser amount of customers as you churn off low ARPU accounts. Yeah, exactly. We, we had one investor call it proactive churn. I think it was because it's a little frustrating to uh, see growth in the enterprise, but not see a lot of growth on the top line. But we know that we'll return to that. And and what we're doing is is you know transforming maybe what you might call low quality revenue to high quality revenue. Yeah. I mean, it's a shift and you have to like go all in, but I mean, when, once you get past kind of a, maybe a year or two of being flat, the expansion revenue then becomes just incredible. So it sounds like you're well on your way to kind of really build out the enterprise version and hopefully drive up first year ACVs from 17 grand to 50 to hundred. That's exactly where we see it heading. Our ACV used to be at about mm, 12, 13, something like that. And um, so we do see it increasing. What I think is interesting is I was sitting in uh, Sequoia uh, Capital's office with Matt Miller over there a couple of years ago. And I was telling him, we're trying to make the shift. And he said, you know, what? I'm going to tell you something that no one else will tell you. And I said, what is that? And he said, moving from small business to enterprise focus will be as hard or harder as starting your company over, uh, starting your company in the first place. And um, it was actually really good advice. And, and I've, I've appreciated that because even though I knew it was going to be challenging, I hadn't thought it would be that challenging. It turns out it is that difficult, I yeah. think, to make that transition. And even though we're doing it successfully, um, I, it was great advice because it's given me a little bit more stamina, just kind of knowing what I'm getting into going into it. It's huge. You also have to, I think it's harder than starting from scratch because you have to get over the sunk cost of all these customers that are paying you revenue that you literally have to essentially get rid of. It feels so counterintuitive. Yeah. And we aren't getting rid of them per se. Um, even though many of them, you know, are, uh, just come on, get, Gary, you don't have to sugarcoat it. You don't want, you're getting rid of them. You want to focus on enterprise. That is true. We do want to focus on enterprise, but in case any of our customers are out there, we're still servicing them and helping them out. So, yeah. Uh, Interesting. Um, as you're churning them out, is that because you're showing them like, Hey, your pricing is going to, you know, increase over the next like month. And they're saying, I don't want to pay that. And they churn. Like, how is that natural churn actually happening? No, we're not really increasing the pricing for any existing customers or anything like that. Um, what we're doing is just letting them churn. If they don't get the kind of support, that they're looking for if they aren't implementing effectively. Like I said, the the content is one of the primary issues. So um, in the past, we we actually worked through this model where we were building content for people uh, because yeah, that was it was painful because right out of the gate, you know, we said, hey, we have this great platform. It personalizes video experience for a, an automated demo, and people said, well, how do we get our content in there? And and so we started trying to figure out how we could take control of the sales by offering a complete solution. I mean, do you try Um, to set up fee? A lot of companies will do that where there's significant onboarding. They'll just disguise it as like a consulting fee or a setup fee. Yeah, we definitely did that. The the problem is the content phase building out content um, turned out to be a a massive mistake. Yeah. Um, And that's because, even though we were able to get deals done and and close and grow quickly, um, the content development uh, phase of the project would really get bogged down. And it wasn't because we didn't have enough resources. We were actually 
very innovative in how we built out an agile content development methodology and all that. But the clients would get stuck just not focusing on it. So we'd turn around a script for a video piece or whatever it might be. And uh, and the client would you know take three weeks to get back. Sure. And then it'd be another six weeks. And then it'd get bogged down. And six months after they bought the software, they don't have content. And I would say that's the number one reason that the small business uh, accounts uh, are churning um, because they just struggle to get the content in there. Got it. Talk to me about funding. It sounds like you were, you know, you did your whole rounds on Sand Hill Road. Have you raised capital? And if so, how much? Uh, we raised a little over $8 million in capital. Okay. And it was a variety of um, traditional VC uh, angel investors. And then we actually took on some revenue-based financing as well. How much is just pure equity? How much? Oh, of the capital? Yeah. Um, about... Uh, seven, seven and a half million, something okay. like that. So seven million, actually, some somewhere in that range. And who? I know this is getting the kind of revenue-based financing is getting very hot. There's a lot of firms offering it. I'm curious, who did you decide to go with? Uh, we went with Riverside Acceleration Capital. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're relatively new, but they have been awesome partners. Yeah, they're based actually down here in Austin. Uh, or I know some of them are down here in Austin. Yeah, it's great. And when you say revenue-based financing, just to be clear, it's not a term loan with a fixed interest rate. It's revenue-based, so you pay back four, five, six, seven percent of gross receipts per month over some fixed period of time. Yep, exactly. With the repayment yeah, we, cap. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. That's great. I love it. Yeah, and I've I've loved working with them. I would I would highly recommend them to any entrepreneurs uh, looking around for that out there because I looked at a lot of other firms like Lighter Capital and others and. Um, nothing against the other firms, but these guys have been awesome. And, and you mean just from a terms perspective, they were better terms or just the people were quicker to work with or better or easier to work with? Um, you know, not having worked with some of the other firms, not having done a deal with them. Um, I, but I don't know for certain, but I would actually say both. They had better terms. And then, uh, Jim Toth and some of the other guys over there have just been incredible to work with. As an example, at one point we were just trying to figure out, you know, what we should do. Should we do some more equity? Should we do uh, another uh, round of revenue-based financing? And they just popped up and said, "Hey, we're super interested. We'll help you do a mix." And um, they kind of they kind of helped out with with driving a little bit of an equity raise, and then also added some additional RBF on top of it. That's great. That's revenue-based financing. Good stuff. What about churn? So gross revenue churn. It sounds like it might be kind of high over the past twelve months as you transition. But but what is it? If you don't mind sharing. Yeah, gross revenue churn's been at about uh, 28%. So, you know, not as low as we'd like it to be. Um, in my last startup, I, I unwittingly uh, had a 5% annual churn rate, which I didn't realize was so awesome. I would be upset about it every day. And now that I'm in this in this company, I'm thinking, wow, if I can get it down to 5%, we're going to be in really good shape. <laughs> does expansion revenue more than cover the 28% lost? Or if, if not, how much does it cover? Right now, uh, we're at about 19% okay. uh, revenue-based churn, so it covers some of it. But, you mean expansion? Um, uh, well, 19% revenue churn. In other words, you know, we get about a 10% uh, save expansion. on the churn. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. So you're basically saying, okay, we lose 28%, we save 10% from expansion, so net-net, right, we're we lose about 18%. Yeah, and, and that's... The, we, we really expect to be able to make all of that up at some point through expansions because we're starting to have expansion, you know, very large expansion discussions with some of our enterprise customers. But it takes a while because you've got to get in, got to prove value. you got to do some initial expansions until yep. two or three land and then you can do a big expansion. I just realized we're out of time. So quick answers here if you can. Team size. Uh, we're at about 30 total. And where's everyone based? 
Uh, we've got people um, here in Utah. We've got people, um, some of our dev team out in Eastern Europe and, um, and some people in South America. And payback period to get a $17,000 ACV account. What are you willing to spend to acquire those? Uh, we spent about fourteen five. Okay, fourteen. So less than a twelve month payback. That's great. Yeah, very good. All right, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? The One Thing by Gary Keller. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Oh boy, you know it's funny. I haven't found a CEO that I just absolutely love, um, but I'd have to say Steve Jobs is always one that I love to, to look at. But you know, yeah, he's he's gone, but he's still good to follow. Yep. Number two, is there a uh, favorite online tool that you have or that you enjoy for building your company? Favorite online tool? Yep. One you use a lot. Uh, we actually use Zoom. So we do a lot of remote collaboration since our team is distributed around the world. Uh, so we use it every day. Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Oh, my heavens. This would be a bad day to ask me. Um, but yeah, I average four to six. Okay. We'll call five there in the middle. And what's your situation? <laughs> Married, single kiddos? Oh, married with three kids, love them to death. And how old are couldn't you? Be, couldn't be happier. I'm actually uh, 49 going on 50, amazingly. Congrats, so that's great. My oldest daughter just got married last summer, uh, a year ago. So uh, anyway, I love the married family life. How exciting. All right, uh, last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? I wish my 20-year-old self knew that there weren't really any limits if you just went after it and got the right kinds of input and the right mentorship from other people. I didn't really realize that, at least in our country, in the United States, that uh, as long as you believe that there are no limits, you can actually accomplish that. I'm not saying that there aren't actual boundaries or obstacles or challenges, but um, think big, think big. That's That was my biggest problem at that age was I thought way too small and I, I acted too small. Guys, Think Big founded Go Consensus in 2014. They've just passed about 280 grand per month in revenue, flat year over year as they transition from SMB customers to more enterprise. And again, these are sales reps using their tool to give more effective sales presentations and sales demonstrations. ADP, a big account. They've raised 7 million bucks in equity, financing about 5 million or another call it million in revenue-based financing, plus another equity, a little bit of equity on top of that. 200 customers right now paying on average 17 grand per year, willing to spend up to 14,500 bucks to acquire that customer. So healthy metrics in terms of payback period, less than 12 months. In terms of churn, as they go through the transition, you know, 28% gross revenue churn annually. They expand by about 10% on that same cohort. So net, net, about 82% net revenue retention each year. Team of 30 people based between Utah and other remote locations. Garen, thank you for taking us to the top. Hey, thank you so much. It's been great to be with you.